One of the things that I think you miss the most when you work with smaller congregations composed primarily of first-generation Christians is the singing. I love to come back to Alabama, Athens, and Birmingham and, and join in the singing. You have a great blessing and uh, appreciate it and enjoy it, singing together these songs with such great joy. And good to see so many people again tonight that I've known through the years. I see the Serranos in the back. I see others I've known years ago. And of course, I'm especially glad to see my parents here and my sister. Uh, two, of, two of the four sisters. So what are we? We're five out of seven as far as the whole family being here. Came over from Atlanta and uh, just glad that they could make it. Human beings are social creatures. We're happy, generally speaking, when we're with other people. When we're by ourselves, sometimes we're very uncomfortable. How many lone teenagers do you see at the mall happily wandering around shopping? You don't see just one teenager. They've got to have a group before they're going to be happy. Up in uh, around New York City, you'll find out soon that certain clumps of certain towns belong to certain ethnic groups. And that's good if you want to go get some Peruvian food, because there in the Peruvian neighborhood in Patterson, there's lots of good Peruvian restaurants. They have something called ceviche, which is, uh, they say it's that the, the uh, juices cook the fish, but that's it. I always say I prefer heat, but... It's a good food. If you want some Dominican food, you can go to Upper Manhattan. Uh, all the Cubans live in Union City. And Chinatown is an amazing place. There are really two Chinatowns, one in Lower Manhattan and one over in Queens. Why do all these people from different groups like to live together? That's just the way we are. We like to be around other people that are like us. And I'll confess it. The short time that I've lived overseas, I would always, if I heard an American accent, that was exciting. But I remember on one or two occasions, I heard a southern accent. I remember running down the street to chase after a southern accent I heard. We want to be with people like us. And that's not wrong in and of itself. But sometimes we think of our relationship with God, that tendency can get in our way. And I'll explain to you what I'm talking about. The problem is that so often, if we're not careful, we can begin to base our spiritual confidence not so much on the fact that we know God and we are confident in Him, but rather that we belong to a particular religious group. We're in the right group. We're in good shape. Do we know God? That might be a harder question to ask ourselves. But we console ourselves that we're with the right group. This happens when we try to get people to study the scriptures with us. Sometimes we pass out invitations, offering people to study with us. We talk to our friends, would you like to study the scriptures? And you can sense there's really no great desire to learn the scriptures because they say it's... No, no, no. I'm already, I'm already a member. I'm already a member of this church or that church. Sometimes I'll be glad to read with you anyway. 
but they're not interested. They're fine. They belong to this church or that church or the other. The problem with all of this, Jesus talks about the fact that we're going to be judged on an individual basis. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 27, that we're going to be judged on the basis of our works. Every man judged according to his work. Not according to which group you belong to, according to his work. And Jesus had to fight this tendency constantly with the Jews. Uh, we'll think about what John, what John, we read in John chapter 8 and verse 31. Of course, these are famous verses, 31 and 32. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That was offensive to some of those people. Verse 33, they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say, you will be made free? Why, we belong to the right group. We're fine as just the way we are. And to suggest that we might need freeing, is really offensive to us. John the Baptist had to fight that tendency. You remember what happened when the, the uh, Jewish leaders came out? Matthew chapter 3 and verse 8. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. He's talking about on an individual basis. And yet he knew what they were thinking even as he was talking to them about the importance of individual repentance. And he addresses that in verse 9. And do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. That can happen to us today. We do not look to a personal relationship with God. And yes, I'm talking in, in the biblical terms here. Knowing God, trusting Him, we don't think it's that important. I go to church. I'm a part of the right church. How can we know if we do what we do because we love God and want to serve Him, or we do it because that's a part of our church tradition? There's a big there's a, that's a very important question. What motivates me? Allegiance to my Heavenly Father? I've just, or I've just always done that. And sometimes on the surface, it's not easy to figure out. Because maybe here's one person who loves God with all his heart, soul, his mind. He's striving to grow of Him. And what does he do on Sundays? He becomes, he partakes of the Lord's Supper, he sings... And what about another person who does it just because that's what I've always done? He comes to services on Sunday. He take, partakes of the Lord's Supper and sings. So on the surface, it might look about the same, but there's some differences. And that's the thing I want to talk about tonight. Now I want to make a contrast between people who may on the surface do the same thing, and yet they have two entirely different motives. Let's talk on this side of the screen 
about the man of the group. This is the fellow who has the herd mentality. I'll do this because I've always done it. And the fellow on the other, we can talk to the person of Christ, whose motivation is serving his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're just going to go down, make contrast between the two types of people. Probably here tonight, we have some in both categories. Well, in the first place, someone who is of the group, who has the herd mentality, seeking that. He's going to start his search looking for a group that he likes. An attractive group. A vibrant group. He's group oriented. Uh, A number of years ago, Tom Holly, some of you may know Tom, but Tom Holly and I went to Argentina with Beverly, my wife, the three of us. And we're going to start a new congregation with the Lord's help. It's tough to start a new congregation from zero, zilch. But we were going to make an effort of it in a neighborhood, in a suburb of Buenos Aires. So we picked out our suburb. We inundated that place with invitations before our first service. We found a little room to rent. We're ready to go. And the first service, we had a visitor. So, good start. And his name was Hugo. And Hugo said to us, I have tried this church. I've tried this church. He mentioned about seven religious groups. And now I'm going to try you. We failed the test too. We never saw Hugo again. But that concept that he had, I'm going to go till I find one I like. That's the man of the group, the person of the group. One time I was passing out some literature on, uh, in Patterson, New Jersey. And uh, I came across a man who was obviously a Muslim, and he was selling some things there. And I thought, well, let's just see if we can get a little conversation going. So I said, I tell you what, I'll take one of yours. He had some literature there, and you take one of mine. And he saw what I said. I had something to say about Jesus. He said, no, nah, not interested. Well, you know, a little bit of righteous indignation. Aren't you willing to at least examine what's going on? Are you just going to be so close-minded you're not going to look? He said, look, I already know I've been to this church and I didn't like it. I like it where I am now. I did not like it when I was in that church. That was his concept, really, wasn't it? I'm going to find an attractive group. He didn't like the one he was at before. And the idea is something like finding meat in a supermarket. You know, uh, there's, that's quite, a, a, quite an art, isn't it? And I've seen some ladies spend uh, 15 minutes there at the uh, section looking over. and ah, It's got a little too much fat there. Let me see if I can do a little better. Ah, it's got a little too much bone. And, and what, this is on sale, but that's not quite as fresh as it's over here. That's the way a lot of people look at religion. I'm going to just find the one that suits me just right. And that's what I'm going for. The problem is you may look among ten groups. Maybe go, I don't know how many Hugo's gone for now as long as he's been around. And you may never find the truth. Because truth is not necessarily found in a group. 
the person of Christ searches for truth above all else. Now, he may visit different congregations, but what's he looking for? He's looking for a place where truth is valued. That's his primary uh, search uh, that he's searching for, truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He didn't say this group or that group is the way. I am the way. Thy word is truth. Jesus prayed to the Heavenly Father in John 17, 17. Not this church or that church or this group or that church is the way. Is the truth. Thy word is truth. It thrills us when we run across those people in life who are actually seeking the truth more than anything else. I'll tell you a story about a young man, and we go back to this time when we were striving to start this congregation in Argentina. We saturated the place with tracks, with invitations, and we did get visitors to come for about six months. Every visitor that came, came once. And when they came in, what did they see? Three gringos. Where's the church? We're it. You're the church? We're it. And uh, it was time then to, uh, to preach. And uh, my Spanish wasn't very good. I spit out the best I could. But you could kind of see him kind of, what's going on here? And it came time to sing. I love Brother Tom Holly. He's one of my favorite people of all times. And I hope he never, now watch, but Tom, singing is not Tom's strength. I'll just leave it at that. So when we began to sing, you could sense the discomfort. And people came, people left, and it was discouraging. It was discouraging. One Tuesday night, we had Wednesday night classes on Tuesday night. We had a, a young man come in, and he was so shy, he wouldn't even look at us. Stead over in the corner, and of course, when we would read, call out the verses, he would look. And uh, we'd go through the, the text. And before he left, I said, well, what's your name? He said, well, it's Ernesto. But he was gone. So, well, there's another one-time visitor. The next Tuesday, he was back. The first return visitor. Would you like to read the Bible with us? He had a little more confidence, maybe. So we read. And as we read, we eventually began to read in the book of Acts what you need to do to become a Christian. Would you like to become a Christian just like this Ethiopian eunuch did? Yes, I would. So we took him and baptized him into Christ. And he began to hang out with us. They began to even accuse him of talking like, like us after a while. But after about a year, as we were going out to a class one time, I said, uh, Ernesto, you remember when you first visited us there in San Martin? Oh, yes, I remember. I said, uh, our singing was pretty bad, wasn't it? Oh, <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> and the preaching wasn't very good, was it? Oh, I said, Ernesto, with all those things that were bad, why did you come back? He said, yes, the preaching was bad and all of that. And he said, but my, he said, a lot of my friends, they were looking for a church with a, 
with a lot of young people. You didn't have that. Uh, or they're looking for a place with, uh, with a dynamic preacher. You sure didn't have that. He said, but I, I always thought what I wanted more than anything else was just the truth from the Bible. And though it was a mess and everything, I could see that that was what you were interested in as well. Well, which was he? <laughs> of, the group, of, the, uh, of the group or of Christ? He was seeking the truth. He was seeking Jesus Christ. And you may think of someone else that you could give an example of doing that same thing. When we are seeking, let's not seek what we've always taught, or what we've always believed, or what we've always liked. Let's seek Jesus Christ and the truth from his word. And that gets us to another point. The man of the group, or the woman of the group, tries to convert others to the group. You'll hear certain terms used constantly by people of the group. Ours is the best church. Ours is the biggest church. Ours is the fastest growing church. I remember a congregation one time in an area where there were a lot of other congregations. Their little motto was, come to our church, the the difference cancels out the distance. In other words, we're just better than all those others. Just going and drive all the way over to us. We're the good ones. So the church is the primary focus of efforts to evangelize. One time I was on a plane, and um, there was a um, there was a. A young Mormon elder on the far seat. I had the wind. I always grab the window when I can. And between us was a uh, flight attendant traveling between places. Well, the Mormons started trying to convert her. And I was sitting there, <clears throat> careful here, careful. And uh, finally, I was able to talk with him a little bit. And I said, look, I, yeah, I appreciate so much your sincerity. I just have a difficult time with the story about the tablets and the the." the uh, the visions in the um, Book of Mormon and all of that. And he was listened sympathetically. And he said, I, you know, I used to be just like you. He said, I, I used not to be a Mormon. And I said, well, what convinced you? He said, I had all these same doubts you had till I went to Utah and saw the great temple. And then all my doubts disappeared. What made your doubts disappear? <laughs> Seeing the great temple. Did he show me anything from the word of God or did he use any reason with me? He liked the temple. He liked the group. He liked the things that went with the group. One time I was in Mexico, in Guadalajara, and there's the headquarters of a very vibrant group in Central America and, and in Mexico there. And so one afternoon, I said, we've got a little time. Let's go down and see what's going on at the headquarters uh, of this church. Well, I think they saw us coming. And so they sent some, some people out to talk with us. And the man who came to talk with us said, How many churches are there in the Bible? And I said, There's one. Well, how do you know which one's right? Well, I gave him a little disclaimer. I think when you say church, you're thinking of something different than I am thinking of when I say church. I'm just thinking of saved people. You're thinking of an organization, but 
I will go along with you on this a little bit. Uh, you know the right church by people who follow God and His words. So I played the game with him a little while, and he said, okay. And he had a little list. He started, does your church do this? Yep. Does it do this? Yep. Does it do this? He started to get a little nervous. Yep. <laughs> he went on and on, and it was yes. And finally he said, do you always pray kneeling? And I said, not always. We probably should more than we do. Aha! Gotcha. So, here we go. Back and forth on whether you have to kneel all the time when you pray or not. As I thought about that, I thought, that sounds like a lot of my brethren. That sounds like a lot of them. You're trying to find some point you can zero in on and say, we're better than you, we got it right on this, and you don't, sorry. Is that what you see in the scriptures? Trying to convert others to the group. I told the, the young man there in Mexico, I said, I, I just let him talk. I just decided to let him talk. He talked and talked and talked. And he says, you've talked to me 15. Finally, I said, okay, now let me say something. You've talked to me 15 minutes and you haven't mentioned Jesus Christ. Oh, we believe in Christ, but you didn't mention him. I think I can make the same point sometimes about maybe some of my reproaches in my earlier years. Sometimes we talk about everything. To others, except for Jesus Christ. Some of the m most popular tracks among Spanish-speaking people, at least in the Northeast, uh, one of them was titled, In Search of a Church. And in that track, you had two people. This, came, this track came from Puerto Rico. You had two people, Jose and Marta. And they were looking for the right church. And they went to this one. Mm -mm, not that one. They go to another one. No, they're wrong on this, that, and the other. They went on this. They went to about seven churches, and you're starting to feel bad for Jose and Martha. They're never going to find the right one. But in the last, they came to the Church of Christ. Oh, we we got it now. We've we've got the, we're we're in good shape now. We found the right one. Is it? purpose of that church, of that tract is the emphasis to convert people to Jesus Christ and Him crucified? Or is it to convert them to a religious tradition? Sometimes I've seen in tracts, investigate the church of Christ. What's the church of Christ? It's saved individuals. It's Bob, it's Cherry, it's uh, Vicky. That's saved individuals. I don't know about you, but I don't want anybody investigating me. <laughs> if they investigate me, they're going to find some. They're going to find some things that aren't quite up to what they ought to be. What should we tell people? Investigate Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Are they going to find any flaws there? That's where salvation is. And of course, the man of Christ, he's working to convert others to Jesus Christ. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5, For we do not preach ourselves, speaking of himself and the other apostles, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your bondservants, for Christ's sake. We do not preach ourselves. We need to be careful not to present ourselves as some kind of a, a group that people need for salvation. 
Now, a little disclaimer here. If we're truly converted to Christ and we want to serve Christ with all our heart, soul, and mind, we are going to worship with people who follow Christ. We want to grow with them, have a spiritual family whereby we can work together in our understanding of His will. And yet, that's a result of the salvation. It's not the way of salvation. Sometimes we mix up... Uh, the result of salvation, the church, with the way of salvation, Jesus Christ. Let's not get those confused. So, the person of Christ works to convert other people to Christ. And on the basis of the facts about Jesus Christ and Him crucified, if people are converted to Christ, these other things will eventually take care of themselves. Well, let's look at a few other um, contrasts. The person of the group is proud of his group. And one time I was at a laundromat. This was in Kentucky. And uh, someone told her, this young fellow over here, it wasn't that long ago that this happened. This young fellow here, he's a preacher at the, at the local church here. So she came over to me. And I just remember with the pride dripping from her voice. She said, I am a member of the oldest Protestant church. In the world. I realized later she was wrong. There's another one that beat her. But at the same time, just the pride, the arrogance. Our church has so many universities. Our church has so many hospitals, so many good works. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of sectarian pride out there. I have a quote, the Church of Christ is established in over 115 countries and has over 3 million members organized into 20,000 congregations. How do we know there's 3 million saved people in the world? Who's the only one that knows how many saved people are in the world? God's the only one. How dare we give numbers as to how many saved people there are in the world? Uh, why use that quote? I think of David and his census there in 2 Samuel chapter 24. Who knows the, all of his motives behind it? But certainly there was a type of pride that must have been a part of that. Let's count and see how many we are so we can show how fantastic we are. The, the man of, of Christ is confident in Jesus Christ. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul talks about a lot of things that could have given him sectarian type pride. Pride in his accomplishments in the group. Verse 5, circumcised of the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to the zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to the righteousness which is found in the law which is in the law, found blameless. So he had all the qualifications, but of course you know what comes in verses 7 and 8. But whatever things were, count, were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, that I may gain Christ. Paul, all of these 
Accomplishments in Judaism? Rubbish. Garbage, if you will. That's all it is. Our church has over uh, so, many, so many million people, so many universities, so many hospitals. Compared to what Jesus Christ has done, that's, that's, that's garbage. That's, that's rubbish. All of human innovations are designed to bring glory to humans. Uh, human pride. Christ's way brings glory simply to him. We never forget that. And may our confidence only be in Jesus Christ. A couple of more quickly. The person of the group gets his authority from the group, from the creeds and the traditions of the group. My church does not let you do this. I remember somebody says, well, my church doesn't let me smoke. Or my church, a lot of times up in, um, in New Jersey, a lot of people say, does your, does your church... Let uh, women wear a, a lipstick. Well, I try to say it's not a matter of what my church teaches. It's a matter of what Christ teaches. But that's the way a lot of people think. What does your church allow? What does your church not allow? The authority, of course, is from the group. A young man one time, we were studying with a, with a woman who was, she was starting to get it. We were going through the book of Acts. And she could see that the people who wanted to become Christians were baptized immediately. And she said, could I bring someone from my church and, and, uh, for the next study? Sure, bring him on. So the next week, there he was, a young man with her. And he said, I hear that, that you are saying that people, when they believe in Christ, should be baptized immediately. We don't do that in our church. I said, well, what ha- well, let's just look, go through the book of Acts here and see how it's done there. In Acts 2, chapter 2, the people baptized immediately on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 8, the uh, Ethiopian eunuch baptized there in the middle of the way to, to, to Damascus. And chapter 9, Saul of Tarsus baptized immediately before ending his fast. And you know the text. And I think we went to... Acts chapter 16, started talking about the jailer, and I think the young man knew where we were headed. I think he knew enough about that to know where we were headed. He said, let's just stop right here. What? Stop. I don't care what it says here. In my church, you have to wait and take classes for two months before you're baptized, and that's the way it's going to be. Where did he get his authority from? His group. In our church, you wait. Among brethren, I thankfully, I'm thankful, I don't think I hear this as much now, but I'm, in my youth, I remember hearing more often, what have we always taught on this issue? I thought we had already straightened that issue out. Who's we? We need to stop and ask ourselves sometimes, who's we? <laughs> Who straightened all this out? Maybe a denomination that some people have in their mind. The Church of Christ teaches that you should partake of the Lord's Supper every first day of the week. The the Church of Christ teaches you need to be baptized for remission of sins. I heard this happen one time. A lady told her friend, the Church of Christ teaches that you need to be baptized uh, for remission of sins. And they said, well, my, my church doesn't teach that. And really, my church is as good as yours. You know, she was right. What's the way to deal with that? Appeal to authority only from Christ. Christ teaches 
that you partake of the Lord's Supper every first day of the week. Christ teaches, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. To appeal to the authority of Christ shows that's who we really belong to. That's whose authority we accept. May it always be that way. All authority is given to me in heaven and on earth, said Jesus. Well, one final point. The person of the group is loyal to the group. If everything's going well with the group, everything's fine with him. Things are going great. But if there's a problem in the group, as they say in South America, chow. They're, as they say in Alabama, they're out of there. They're gone. It's because they're not of Christ so much as they are of the group. Sometimes someone will stop attending. So we go and visit them. What, what's going on? We, we've been missing you. I'll never step foot in that, step foot, foot in that building again. Well, why not? Bob Hutto did not shake my hand last Sunday. Maybe he was distracted or something like that, but I'll never, I've never seen such a... He did not shake my hand. What's the problem? Is that that type of offense show that we are, our loyalty is based upon the group and that if we're fine with everybody in the group, we're fine? Sometimes we appeal to people on that basis. We say, he's not faithful to the church. Well, that's bad as far as a local congregation is concerned. We want people to be with us, be faithful to, to attend us. But what's the real problem? He's not faithful to Christ. That's the real problem. If someone is really loyal to Christ, it doesn't matter what happens to the group. And sometimes some pretty bad things can happen to groups of Christians. But if they're of Christ, they're going to persevere, trying to overcome evil with good. They're not going to give up on the Lord just because brethren have not behaved themselves the way they should. Whatever the crisis, they are faithful to Christ because they are of Him. And the bottom line, if we're of the group, we're lost. It doesn't matter if we go through all the right acts of obedience. If we're doing them just because that's what people have always told us, or that's what we've always seen, that's not Christ. That's a focus on men. Faith in Christ is what saves not faith in some kind of tradition. But of course, if we are of Christ, we're saved. Our faith is in Him. And everything we do is based upon our love and our loyalty to Him. Examine yourself. Are you of the group or of your Christ? I hope maybe we've been able to make some distinctions here in your own mind that will help you. Sometimes this happens to us. Here we're studying with someone and we say, well, Jesus said, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. This happens more in Alabama than in New Jersey, but here it often happens. Yeah, I don't know if I want to be Church of Christ or not. You ever heard something like that? Listen, I have no desire to make anyone a Church of Christ, if there is such a thing. That's not going to help anybody. But that's not Church of Christ that says he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. That's Jesus has said that. Let's see what Jesus says. Let's be of him. And if we're of him, we'll be in his body. 
Somebody tonight would like to be baptized into Christ. We can help you with that. Let us know. We'll stand down and sing a song of invitation. And we'll do whatever we can to help you in making that step. Thanks for your good attention.